0: blog talk radio what's going on minor nation i'm anthony salome live with the one and only alex nicholas who is remote broadcasting from where which studio
1: are you at i'm at oh man you caught me i could have thought of a clever name but i'm at the casa i'm at the lab of of minor Rust. let's just say that i'm <laughs> <laughs> broadcasting definitely of...
0: tonight alex is uh Kicking back due to the storms, we don't want to put him in danger and have him have to drive all the way to our studios. So uh Alex is broadcasting from his house, and we're live, man, with another episode of the Rush Podcast. What's going on, man? What's what's new? What's the word? No football this past weekend, but still plenty going on, right?
1: yeah it was great to have uh for the third time this season where the Raiders and the miners didn't lose the my end so it was a it was a positive weekend but you know definitely refreshed after a week off uh big week this week, man we got two games to cover two kind of one i mean both of them we could put them on the same level, but two games to cover brand new basketball team to watch. And Will we see a turnaround in the second half of the season with this UT football team? We'll get into that. But um, interesting comments from Sean Coogler after the bye week, basically what he was talking about. That's what really jumped out to me. Uh, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of self-check going on. Uh, that was good to hear. Um, scout scrimmage went on. Saw some scouts getting some work in there. Uh, didn't get to see it obviously, but reading the paper. So it seemed like a productive week for the football team. Um, you know, just kinda of, what are your general thoughts after a bye week, man?
0: Well, I think perhaps the biggest thing that, that we're seeing this week is the uh change in the depth chart. Well, if you want to even call it that. Mac which obviously not news anymore, but returns under center as the number one quarterback for the minors this week. And that to me is just crazy. You know, we talked about it last week, we talked plenty about it, but now that it's been made official with him at the number one and you put Garrett Simpson back at the number two, which I still don't understand. Like I don't understand why you're going to put a guy at the number two if really he's not. He's not even on your radar because we all know that um, from what we've seen, uh, you know, Kavika's going to get touches before uh, Simpson is. And if, for whatever reason, Leftwich goes down, it seems like Mess is going to be the ones they're going to call on. So I don't don't know where Garrett Simpson actually fits in, but... That's the biggest thing that I see because I haven't seen any progress from this team over the last few weeks. In fact, we've seen it the other way. We've seen them regress. We've seen them go back, take steps backwards. So is there going to be a turnaround in the second half of the season? If there is, we haven't seen those signs yet. And for me, putting Mac with in back at, at, at starting quarterback is not the answer. Now, he might have been the guy to, to lead the offense and Aaron Jones-led offense, that is, but is he the guy that's going to sit back there, sit in the pocket without any run game, uh, and be able to complete sixty percent of your passes and get you moving down the field? I don't know. We've never seen that asked of him, so we really don't know if he's able to do that or not. That's the biggest thing for me.
1: No, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's real touchy with the situation with Simpson. You know, just to start off at the top. I mean, the the that question was asked was basically what does. In a nutshell, not maybe verbatim, but what does Simpson have to do to get on the field? And Coogler deflected it like a damn, like, he was deflecting an ugly female in the club or something. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it, it was it was quick. Like, you know, he, he was just like, you know, that's between me and Garrett. Oh, uh, you know, we're going to leave at that. So there was something. You know, there was something, whether it was that incident where he didn't come out and, and hold the – the extra point in New Mexico State when he was still considered i guess hobbled was the word the terminology that was used, but I mean, yeah, I agree, I mean it's just you just don't feel that McLethridge is the th- that missing piece and to what has been you know just flat out poor quarterback play now, going back to the midseason uh grades that I give now, I did give the quarterback c and when and on in essence, when you look at some of the stats, yeah, they've completed over sixty percent of their passes but you look at wins and losses when you look at quarterbacks in college football. I mean, that is an important position. We're, we saw it last year with an example of a UTSA squad, Seen it this year with the same UTSA squad. Now we're seeing it with UTEP. You know, there's so many examples of that, and it's just—it's it, you're exactly right, man. That's my biggest question: What will Mac left? And that's pretty much everybody's question: What will Mac leftwards do without Aaron Jones in the backfield? That was what we built, joked around calling the Mac Leff, which game plan. You know, where you're moving the pocket. Um, you know he, he's basically basing everything. Anytime Aaron Jones doesn't touch the ball, you're going to get a rollout, an easy, high percentage pass from Mac Leftwich. So where does this team go with Mac Leftwich under center? And that's going to be really the big question. The second question is obviously the defense. Where are they going to turn the corner? Where are we going to see consistency? Not just out of the linebackers, not just out of the, the defensive line from time to time, but the whole. Group entirely. I mean, when are we going to see what we were seeing last year, where this defense was winning games and keeping us in yeah. the game? I mean, we're kind of shocked last yeah. year, where it's like, oh wow, a UTEP team is is winning seven games that has a chance of people eligible because of a defense. So, you know, and Kugler mentioned three things that I really thought were, were important because if you look at, at, at last year compared to this year, they're just not happening. And, and you know, there, there's a multitude of issues, you know, whether it's the lack of depth, whether it's the youth in the secondary, um, you know, the offensive line struggles. But there's really three things that he pointed on that I totally and fully 100% agree. And that's third down, mm-hmm. offense, and defense. Um, that's red zone offense and defense, and it's allowing the big plays. And and that's just been an Achilles heel. You look at third down offense, um, you know, the big thing to me, you can can harp about stats in the third down situation, but when you're only averaging 3.5 yards per rush on first and second down and you're a team like UTEP that doesn't need to be living there, you need to be living in the four to five range. I mean, four to five per yard carry, that's just not going to happen. And we're seeing, you know – Basically, what I'm trying to say is we're fucked on first and second down. We're third and seven, third and nine. We're just not built for that, and we're really seeing that. You you know, it's that's really a big key. And then you go into the defensive side of the ball on third down, where teams are just been really. Gashing us on third down Quarterbacks are nine of thir- 19 of 36 372 yards With long passes of 60 and 38 In third and seven long Or longer situations
2: yeah. That's they a quarterback rating of
1: 199 That can't happen I mean what are your thoughts as far as I mean is it really well, My thoughts of it is, is It's is got to be those first couple of downs And that's on both sides of the ball Because if you look on the defensive side I mean this team is allowing 29 run plays On first down this year, that have gone for more than ten yards, thirty-four pass plays on first down have gone for over fifteen yards or more on first downs. I mean, is it this early downs that we have to see both sides of the ball either execute a better game plan, game game, uh, play calling on first down, and on the defensive side, is it playing behind that backfield and forcing the defense or forcing the offense in a second and long, third and long? I mean, what are your thoughts on on the third down part of 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 the equation?
0: I'm a firm believer in that both units help each other play better. I've, I've said this many times on this podcast, on Minor Rush, wherever, but I really feel like if the offense is playing well, then it helps the defense to play well. And if the defense is playing well, likewise, it helps the offense play well. And and so we haven't seen either side play well for any extended amount of time, and that, in my opinion, has brought down the other side. And and you look at, at – at FIU, the FIU game. Of course, we already talked about this plenty, but um, the first, I don't know how many drives for the minors were, were three and outs. And you just can't ask your defense to go out there and, and stop a team over and over and over again. They may do it once, they may do it twice. Now, unfortunately, the defense isn't playing well either, and in that game, they didn't stop anybody, so the offense was right back out there, and it was just a you know recipe for disaster, basically. But but I do agree with you. I mean, third downs are, are a big thing, and this defense has got to learn. They've got to be able to make these plays. And I think I, – I don't know if it's I, – I mean, when you start seeing it happen over and over, there's only one place that you can go with the blame. And I know, you know, we're beating a dead horse here by talking about the coaching staff, but I, I don't know where else to put it. I mean, are these kids not learning? Are are they missing assignments? Is it missed tackles? Is it, what is it? Because we're six weeks I into the season no. – and we're seeing them continually get worse. And in my opinion, that, that there's only one answer for that, and that's coaching. Because even if you don't have the best athletes, by the sixth game of the season, you should be seeing what you've got from these guys. You should be seeing their best play, and we're not seeing it. And, and so defensively, there's obviously struggles. Offensively, there's struggles. Neither side is helping the other. I think the only way to get things going is – is to just scrap everything and just and just let it go, man. Just air it out. Whatever you got to do, change it up completely. Because, you know, going back to what you're talking about, you know, for the offense getting stuck in third and longs and, and us not being built for that, that's definitely true. But there's no reason at all why we should be stuck in third and longs. You know, Coach Coogler has talked about, you know, well – he's an offensive line guy, you know, he's, he, this is what his bread and butter is. And he, he's talked about it for years about building these lines, you know, that are going to be able to open up holes and block people. You go back to your report card, this offensive line got a C. And in my, in my opinion, that's being generous. And I think I told you that we talked about it over text, you know, (laughs) that was one area where I disagree because this offensive line has greatly underperformed. It's not just the fact that, you know, Aaron Jones isn't there anymore, you should still be able to open up some holes and be able to average more than whatever the hell it is we're averaging. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's well under two yards a carry. And and that's just inexcusable, especially from a guy that, that thrives on his offensive line. I, I that I do not understand at all. So, you know, running backs and, and, and offensive line have got to figure things out in order to put their offense in a better position, you know, be more successful in a third and medium, third and short. But there's just there's just there's just so many areas to talk about, man, and it's not even just on the offensive line or the running backs or the quarterback or the secondary, or the line. It's just everywhere. There's issues everywhere with this team, and it seems to continually be getting worse.
1: Yeah, and and, and going back to the third down, just real quick, and it's it shows to me. I, I, talking with Jameel Showers, this, this is a, a, one of the things that you know I've said it a couple of times. I have said it on d- different podcast appearances, show appearances down here, where. Third down is really a big barometer for a quarterback. And, and talking with Jameel Showers last year, and he stressed of of how serious he took when – because UTEP really works on these situations. And just like you're saying, I think it's lack of execution – when you were bringing out your points, because UTEP does work on these third-down situations, these certain situations. But, but Jamil was saying that that is always a mark of a good quarterback. And UTEP's been so inconsistent with quarterback play this year, where we're seeing that on the third downs. And that's really a big issue as far as the offensive side. You know, defensive side, like you said, it's tackling, it's lack of execution. You know, it, it seemed like, in a sense, what Cougar was saying on Monday, where they're, in a sense, like you're saying, scrapping everything and just starting fresh. Where not, it's not really swiping everything under the rug but reevaluating what what wasn't doing well from practices to whatever it may be. And that's kind of a good sign to see some sort of solution because, you know, it's been the same rhetoric the past couple weeks. Injuries were beat up, da-da-da-da-da. This week it's more, look, this is what we're doing to figure things out. We're not pointing fingers. We're trying to figure this out. And another big thing with me is this red zone. I mean, this is the most alarming because you mentioned about having that big offensive line and being able to pummel teams. Once you cross that 40, once you cross that 30, the miners are only averaging 2.3 yards per carry in the red zone, 2.3 yards. Let that sit in, bro. I mean, that, that is just ridiculous that that just shouldn't happen. And then on the flip side of the passing game, we're 5-of-18 for 32 yards and a touchdown in the red zone. The wild miner was supposed to be and, – and I hyped this up myself because I'm watching it in camp and seeing how effective that wild miner is in the red zone. But, I mean, it, that is a big issue. And then the same thing on the defensive side where we're allowing 62% of teams score touchdowns in the red zone. Every time a team is going into the, into the 40 – chalk up 5.6, uh, 5.6 points, that's 121st in the nation. You know, that's what I look at as another thing in the, is, is red zone. That's a huge, huge thing. And you can put it on the lack of Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones was a big-time red zone scorer last year. But that 2.3 average in the red zone per carry, just like you mentioned where we're supposed to have one of the better offensive lines in Conference USA, that's just garbage, bro. I mean, I hate saying things suck or things garbage, but, I mean, that sucks, and that's garbage, man. I mean, that's just unexplainable to me.
2: Yeah,
0: and I completely agree with you. Now, of course, we've got all the audio from the uh, Kugler press conference on Monday, but let's take a listen to what he had to say. You already mentioned a couple of the points, but the top three things that he that he had to say, and then I want you to kind of expand a little more on that.
2: Uh, and really, we got to improve on three things in my mind. Uh, number one is the red zone on both sides of the ball. We've been extremely poor in the red zone on defense, offensively. Uh, we have been not productive in that area of the field. Uh, we can't come away with field goals offensively, and we got to hold teams to field goals or, or get them out of the red zone uh, defensively. Third down, uh, we've got to be more productive in that area. Uh, getting off the field on third downs on defense and maintaining drives uh, and putting together sustained drives on offense and not getting knocked out of that situation. And explosive plays, um, chunk plays, as you call them, what we determine an explosive play is a plus 10-yard run or a plus 20-yard pass. Uh, We've been extremely lacking that on the offensive side of the ball, and we've given up uh, way too many explosive plays on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Now, we talked a little bit about the the, the red zone and and the uh, third downs, but that explosive play part is really the part that gets me, and that's because... You're going to game seven. Why? Now, first of all, we don't, we haven't even seen him actually make the adjustments because we've heard that they're going to make adjustments for the last three or four weeks, and it hasn't happened over and over again. But why does it take you to game seven to start realizing about chunk plays, about not only giving them up, but being able to get those kind of chunk plays? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, really? Yep. Like, It just seems like he's stating the obvious, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I agree. And and the proof is in the pudding because, I mean, they've allowed 101 plays over 10 yards, and they're one of 11 teams in the nation that have allowed a 90-plus yard. And this is, like you said, this is game seven. 101 plays just didn't happen in the past couple of weeks when FIU just basically scorched us on every play. You know, had more, had less plays than us and almost doubled our offensive output. I mean, it's just there's certain issues that just haven't been addressed. To me, it's early downs you know, we're just not executing or we're not being aggressive in our pressures and our play calling. Because you look at where teams are averaging 6.1 yards per carry on first down and 11.5 per pass attempt. That's on first down alone. That's where most of these plays are coming from. You can point to the defensive struggles on third down, but there's just either a lack of execution, and I hate to put this on one player, but also we're not seeing a guy like Trey Brown, who's a senior, who's pretty much just been non-existent with only 10 tackles, I believe, off the top of my head. I mean, those are just certain issues where we've talked about this in the 4-2-5 where your linebackers have to create havoc. They have to be tackle machines. We're seeing that out of Jimmy Musgrave. We're seeing that out of Alvin Jones. Last year, we saw that out of uh, Puente and Brown. Four guys have to be able to rotate and and, and execute in their package, and we're just not seeing that on early downs. And and we're seeing us just biting on this on play fakes. Uh, You know, we're seeing – just getting beat flat out, losing our eyes and man coverage, and we're not seeing a consistent pass rush. And I think those type of things in a four-two-five defense where if you're not there in a certain area, there's going to be holes. There's going to be a one-on-one matchup. There's going to be somebody out on the island. We're just, I, I think there's not either it's a play calling execution or a playmaking execution, I think it's a big mixture of both because it, that's just alarming to have that type of average on first down where basically teams are getting either half of a first down with the run or they're getting a, are getting a first down on the pass. And most of the time, that's how some of these drives start. Well, we're giving up those gas plays, but by the time we're already in the – the team's already in, on their fourth, fifth play, our defense is gassed. They're lost. They're on their heels. And we're just basically fucked from the get-go on these defensive possessions. And it's really – it's got to get – got to see some type of improvement on the defensive end of the ball because I believe at this point that's the stronger side of the ball if you want to say that. You know, that's where the injuries haven't mounted up enough. And we're seeing young guys just like you mentioned in week seven now that have gone through a full camp and they've gone through half of the season, you got to start seeing some type of improvement. Maybe not improvement, just more consistency as far as making plays, playing behind the other team's backfield, and and creating turnovers. That's another thing. When you talk about these explosive plays, we're not creating no turnovers. Negative eight on the season in the turnover margin. So just so many variables, like you mentioned, but the explosive plays, I think that is the worst uh, weakness that UTEP has because instead of making teams earn it, while offensively we're not earning it or not getting any type of flow, we're giving up teams. And that is just allowing that dam to just flow down. And you see a 52 to 12 score, like we saw a couple of weeks ago. No doubt about it.
0: And and I agree with you. And I, I agree that if any side is the stronger side, it is the defense. I think, you know, I look back to the UTSA game and they actually played pretty damn well for the first half. I mean, you remember, obviously that's, that's a game that was wild with the rain and whatnot delays. So That that factors into that. I would say that helps the defense more as well because you know they're not going to be airing it out in a downpour. But either way, you know, they played pretty well. They held the UTSA to three points in the first half. And it was just, like I said, with the offense not being able to help the defense and continually putting them out there wore them down. But really, we haven't seen that or we didn't see it last week against FIU. So let's say this week they come out. Let's just assume that they come out this week. They play the way they played against, uh, against UTSA. Now, what do we have to do offensively to put Mac Lefwich in a position to, to succeed? Because we know that the run game hasn't been there, and I don't know that anything's going to change with that. So what do we have to do to put him in a position to be successful?
1: You know, it's it's, it's, it's it's weird that, that you said that, but I really think that they have to get the run game going against FAU. I mean, they have to. This is an FAU team that is very solid in pass coverage, but I'm trying to pull up their, their, uh, their, def- their rush stats because I know that's not um, a strong point for them. So I really think that getting this run game going, getting guys out of the box, is going to be a big, big thing. Teams are averaging uh, 4.4 yards per carry uh, through the through their last game against Marshall, so to me that that shows that there's a possibility that the run game can get going. We just don't know who it's gonna be. That's another thing when when we're talking about the run game is there's not a consistent back that's been able to replace Aaron Jones. I mean Aaron Jones is still UTEP's leading rusher, you know, and he still has. The second yep. most carries on the team, and, and I really believe it's though, not even that this, close. this run game has to work. No, it's not even close. You think about
0: Laquinnis Dow has has the second the second most yards at 132 to 209 for for Aaron Jones, and we're talking about Aaron Jones hasn't played in four games, and and, and really talking LA about Dow hasn't even been seeing a lot of carries in the last couple of games.
1: And that was my point. Where, where, why hasn't I mean La Dow to me is a tough son of a gun. I mean, he came out and he just really torched New Mexico State in a sense with those 70 yards, 11 carries, had that big touchdown run, and – I mean, that's – I want to see more consistency out of that. Trayvon Hughes, another guy in the run game that we've seen sparring. I know he's been banged up a little bit. So, you know, obviously it's it's not a a, a lack of production issue. It's more of an injury issue. But, you know, I really think that's going to be a huge thing. And I think that's something we're going to see the coaches go back to, un- unfortunately. Because, I mean, FAU is a very, very good pass defense team. They're only allowing seven and a half yards per completion. I believe they have ten interceptions on the year. So this isn't a team that – you know, we can just come out there and say, "Oh, we you know we have to open it up. we have to spread it out. I think the run game is going to be very important because if we're not running the football, I believe that they can pretty much lock us down man to man. I don't really I know more about their offensive scheme than I do their defensive scheme, but they have some great athletes talking about Cravon LeBlanc who's got three picks o c Rose, who's a young guy, he's got three picks and two touchdowns. He's returned two of those to the house along a ninety five yarder. You took a look at their defensive line, uh, two big studs in, in, in the middle, one on the edge. I mean, this UTEP has to be able to create a run game to open up other things, and I think that's going to be real important. I think we're going to see kind of the same thing we saw, hopefully not five runs and a bubble screen, but I think we're going to see a lot of eye formation early. We're going to try to see the offensive line create that line of scrimmage separation and that line of scrimmage dominance, and, and that's how I really think. I really think as poor as the run game has been for UTEP, they have to be able to run the ball on Saturday, especially at home, and especially against a defense that looks to break up passes and looks for the interception. It's going to be huge. But the, on the flip side of that, you got Mac Leftwich who hasn't made that many mistakes, but at the same time, all his passes, as we've harped on and beat the dead horse, are really short. So my question to you is: when you're facing a, a, a tough defense like this, and you're Patrick Higgins, you know what you have in Mac Leftwich. Where are you going? Are you basing more play action? Are you going to try to stretch the field vertically, or is it going to be this dink dunk play action type of deal that we've seen? Yeah, I mean, and that's a question that's
0: still yet to be answered. And if I had to guess, I mean, I just don't see anything changing. I just, I don't. We haven't seen it in in two and a half years. Why, why would it change now? And mm-hmm. and this isn't this is a defense that gives up over two hundred and seven yards a game. And and ranks in the bottom fifteen or so in in FBS as far as rush defense goes. So this should be an opportunity for the miners to get back on track. The problem is when you're so one dimensional, it doesn't matter how bad the other defense is at stopping the run. If you allow them to to stack seven or eight guys in the box, or I should say eight or nine, that that's going to shut down your run no matter what. And, and again, this is something that we I feel like like it, it, like there's an echo in here. It's something that we always talk about, how we allow other teams to stack the box because we have no pass game. And and starting off, like you talked about, you're going to see a lot of I-formation coming out. I don't doubt it, and that's why I'm saying I don't see anything changing. But doing that does nothing to help your run game, in my opinion. All you're saying is, yes, we're going to run the ball. Come stack the box so you can stop us. That's all you're telling to the offense. So why not set up out of the gun? set up out of the out of the pistol, r- r- something, just something different, just to show a different formation, just to throw some kind of wrinkle in there. Run the ball. That's fine. Inside give, draw, whatever you want, but, but change it up. Give the defense a different look so they're confused as to what's going on because when you set up an I formation, everybody knows what the play is and you're not going to go anywhere. That's what we saw against FIU, and granted, FIU is a better run defense, but they shut it down real quick. They turned their drives into seven points. And all of a sudden we were down 42-0 in the second quarter. Now, I don't see that happening because I don't think FAU is as explosive, but then again, FIU wasn't supposed to be as explosive, and they set a school record for points in the first half. So, again, I don't see anything changing. And and in saying that, that means that, again, we're likely going to be outcoached, our run game isn't going to get going anywhere, and we're going to get put behind with a quarterback that hasn't really proven himself as a as a legitimate passing threat and – Again, you know, it's just I, I don't. I mean, it's 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 setting us up for disaster again. That that's just that's the only way I can put it. Um, Yo, it
1: I and wish I had something you know, better
0: to say. I just don't.
1: You know, you're right though. I think it was UTEP defense. Uh, one of our commenters, one of our top commenters there on, on on Minor Rush, and always brings great insight, like everybody else does. Um, he mentioned where you know that's running that shotgun spread inside give. It's been almost a bread and butter for UTEP. That's really, like you said, what we want to be a, is a two tight end. I formation type of team, that could be a big adjustment. I think you're onto something on there. That's something that could work. Hell, a pistol, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything that these quarterbacks – I mean, Mac Lefkowitz could probably run any type of offense because he's not really a pro style. He's not really a true dual threat. He's more of that balanced type of quarterback. And I agree. I would love to see that. I would love to see uh, more – maybe even more jet sweeps. Why not get audrey Golden into space? Warren Reddick had 50 yards rushing. You know, he Warren Reddick has been our best running back pal- – Post Aaron Jones, so I, I agree with that. With those type of adjustments, you know, maybe not every play we're going to come out of a spread and, and either chuck it or, or zone read or whatever, but that could work. I mean, we saw the zone, uh, the zone read pass option with Ryan Metz to be very successful, and in the way that Mac left, which was a little bit more advanced as far as reading defenses and more advantages because he has that experience. I think that could be a big deal. But And you mentioned the explosiveness on offense. And FAU really isn't that explosive on offense, 3.9 yards per rush, 6.7 yards per play. But I saw them kind of try to open that up. Uh, they took some shots down the field more with Driscoll uh, against Marshall. Got a chance to watch that game last week. And he's more of a guy that, that I can see him really picking apart the defensive side of the ball. And it's going to be pressure. It's going to be the same things we talk about week in and week out with the defense, getting pressure, creating turnovers, slowing down the run game. Um, and, you know, you look at – there's two different offenses that we may face. Jaquiz Johnson, who looks like he's going to start, they, they're they more of a, of a of a zone read, power run type of deal, whereas Driscoll's in there, they're more of a vertical passing, still base, lots of play action. So that's going to be a big challenge on the defensive side of the ball with the man coverage. So, I mean, how do you see this one playing out, Anthony? Do, do we – do we go home with a smile, or are we going home pissed off because it's another piss poor performance, um, either by the coaching or just by just getting out coached and outplayed? I mean, how do you see it going down on Saturday?
0: I mean, you know, it's like you were talking about with, with Driscoll and Johnson. They kind of been shuffled in and out, but if it is Johnson that's going, they are running that that read option offense. I think we're in for a long night. And if I'm the coaching staff, no matter what's going on there, I'm I'm looking to start Joclyn Johnson because you look at Utah. We rank 113th in the nation, man, in rushing yards per attempt. We're giving up five point two yards per rushing attempt. That I mean, you think about it, if a team can, can run for five yards on first down, then they're set up perfectly for second or third down. And and again, we saw we saw FIU do this to us to us over and over. And what happens is you can't stop the run. You try to again. Talking about stacking the box and try to bring more guys in to help, and then you get beat on the deep ball, which is something we saw against FIU as well. I, I if if this, I, I don't know what I don't even know what needs to start off faster. I guess it just depends on who has the ball first. If we don't see a quick start from either unit, whichever goes out there first, whether it be the offense, if they go three and out, I think we're in for a long night. If the defense comes yep. out and let's let them just march right down the field, same thing. But if the offense is and they go out there and they're able to put up some points, you know, have a sustained drive. I think that'll give us a little bit of confidence, and we'll be able to build off of that, and then it'll be a competitive game. But again, the start, in my opinion, is going to say everything that we need to know. I, I, that's what I think. It's hard to say based off of what we've seen so far. I would say that that FAU's going to be able to gash us with the run, and it's going to be a long night. But again. I've seen the defense play well at times. Can the offense finally put it together? Can the offense get some help from their coaching, from their play calling, and and, and do something that, that is productive? If they can, then maybe this will be a competitive game. We'll have an opportunity to win it. But, again, if I'm going simply based off of what I've seen so far, I think the favors favor F I in FAU's uh, direction.
1: Yeah, no, you hit it on the head with these. I mean, we've, we've seen it I, virtually every game this year. I think we've seen – We haven't seen a fast start from UTEP. We haven't seen one of those signature drives. We haven't seen a quick turnover. Uh, We haven't seen a a quick kickoff that sets us up with good position early in the game. And that is going to be key. You're right. That's really been kind of the key this year. I mean, you're able to weather slow starts against a New Mexico State against, um, you know, an incarnate word. But we just have not seen this team get – we've seen them get off to a great defensive start against UTSA only to have the offense go for, what, was it three or five straight, uh, three and out? So that's a big key, man, and that's something that I look for as well. So I, I, I agree – with I fully agree. If this team can get off to a hot start on either side of the ball, and just like you mentioned earlier, like you were saying – they feed off of each other. That's just football, and that's going to be a real key on this in, in this game is which team can get off to that slow start. You're looking at at FAU, who's had two almost demoralizing losses. They blew a, a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter to, to Rice, and then last week just getting pretty much almost thrashed by uh, Marshall. But they did keep it uh, they did keep it respectable. They were down 33 to 10 at one point, but I mean it, you don't know what you're getting from them. You don't. You hope that maybe they're that wounded animal coming in and and UTEP is kind of refreshed from a bye week So that is going to be a huge key. And I think that's the number one key to the game is how each team starts. So it's five o'clock start. That's a five o'clock start. Bob Stoll wanted us to put that out there. That it's a five o'clock start, not a six o'clock start conference USA. The second half of the season gets underway and, you know, I I think at this point there's just there's really no expectations. We just want to see these little things that we've been talking about just get improved on, right, Anthony? I mean, you can't expect this team to turn around and go eight and four, but you just want yeah. to see these. You want to see coaching happen. You want Honestly, to see everything that, that we have touched man. upon the first thirty minutes improve. That's
0: it. It, it, it. I I want to see I want to see them make an effort to win ball games because in year one under Kugler, it seemed like he just tossed in the towel, you know. And that's not and something I, that I want to I think he admitted
1: it, too, almost.
0: Yeah, he did. And, and that's not something that I want to see in year three. You had an excuse. Even though I didn't like it in year one, in fact, it really pissed me off. Because no matter what you're trying to do, you should always, always be trying to win games. Because all you're doing is selling your players short. And more than that, well, I shouldn't even say more than that. But either way, even more or less, whatever, you're also selling your fans out. And your fans are the ones that pay your your salary basically you know you you put seats yep. in the stands you make that money and that's how your salary gets paid that's how you make more your money job security so, too <laughs> so so you know when you start coaching the way that he has been coaching with kind of just doing the same old thing every week watching it not work and continue to do that you're losing fans and it's not an excuse fans should still support i agree but that's not reality you know, it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what it is. It's it's hard to find fans or anybody else that's gonna to continue to support when you're 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 not putting out a, a winning product. And and so I don't wanna see him just be throwing in the towel in year three. Now if we finish two and ten, I'm gonna be pissed off. But will we finish two and ten with, you know, being competitive, trying different things, trying to win ball games? If that's the case, yeah. I'm okay with that. If we go two and ten, doing the exact same shit that we've been doing for the last two years, I'm I'm about I'll be about ready to to say you know Kubi needs to go to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, and and the big thing that jumped out to me is he and, and and you know in a sense of what we're in a sense calling him out for that is he put his ass on the line and basically said look I'm not going to pack this thing in we're going to try to do everything so he's saying all the right things um, you know as far as what he should be saying. You know, what? basically what you were talking about, where you don't throw in the towel. He's ta- the big thing is he wants these seniors to go out with the bank, which means he's starting to build this program now where, yeah, you, like you said, you just can't throw away seniors anymore. This isn't year one. So that's a positive thing. But, you know, you talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. And, and, yeah. and you're right. Like you said, I, we can go two and ten. If we compete and lose by less than two touchdowns or by two touchdowns and give ourselves a chance. At a certain point, either in the it, second half or during the game, that's what I want to see. I agree with it's
0: you. It's not even about the scores either. It, it has nothing to do with the scores at this point. Now, obviously, the scores are going to dictate what went on, but, you know, you can see when guys are out there competing, and you can see when guys are out there just giving up. Same or, thing or with the coaches. position you
1: can see, to compete.
0: Yeah, and you can see when the coaches are doing their job putting their team in a position to compete, or, and you can see when they're not. That's the whole thing. It has nothing to do with scores. It has nothing to do with wins and losses. It has to do, are we being competitive? Are we out there doing what we can to win the game? I understand we're banged up. I understand we lost our star player and we put all our eggs in one basket with that guy. That's fine. You know what? I've already written off a bowl game. I, I, I'm out on this season as far as a bowl game is concerned. Now, if we were to make it to a bowl game, great. But I've already pretty much said that's out the window. Just show me some competitiveness. Show me some, some fight. Show me some spirit. Show me something. And if, if if we don't see that, then I, I just can't buy into this coach anymore, man. You, you talked about how he's saying all the right things. And what bothers me is that we've heard all the right things for weeks and yep. potentially really even years now. You know, we've heard, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to open it up. We're going to stress the field. We're going to do whatever it might be. And it doesn't get done. And that is what bothers me the most because he obviously knows what needs to be done, and he's not doing it. And that's what that that just gets me, man. If you're if you're a family guy fan, that's what really grinds my gears right there.
1: <laughs> totally agree, man. So just basically in a nutshell what we're looking for going forward is just some improvement, some innovative thought, some innovative coaching, and that's gonna be a real key to keep fans on the bandwagon and keep fans on the Cougar bandwagon. Because, you know, like I've wrote before, I think he has this thing on on the right track as far as recruiting, uh the way that this program is run. Obviously, you know, the APR and the academic side of it. But, you know, now you got to get into wins and losses. And, you know, that's going to be a big key. It's going to be a big test on him the last six games of the year. And and like I've said before, I don't think we're the only ones. I think it's coming from the administration as well. So kind of an important – maybe next two to three weeks to see how the final three weeks go for the UTEP football team as they take on FAU this Saturday, Florida Atlantic, the first ever matchup with the Owls. So Anthony, we, I think we got like three minutes before we bring on uh, Ken DeWeese and, and uh, transition into some UTEP basketball talk. Uh, basketball talk. You want to just run down the Conference USA Power Rankings real quick so we can end our football talk?
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I was actually going to say while you were uh... – Saying that is that even though we still have a few weeks left and we're still looking for this and that out of the football, you know, team, really the truth is that, man, basketball season can just not get here soon enough. And obviously we've got that scrimmage coming this weekend, but, man, I can't wait for that. Real quick, we'll start off with the Conference Tuesday power rankings. Western Kentucky obviously still on top, 6-1. and Big win over North Texas last week, 55-28. They got a real test, though, this week as they take on LSU. Um, how how do you see their chances in that game real quick? I just don't. (laughs) I just don't. I mean, I like it for a quarter,
1: but that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look,
0: they're, they're a very good team. They, they obviously got a good offense. Their defense has been playing decent as well, but now you're. The big time. I mean, this is this is the big boy table here. You open up the season. Granted, it was the first the, it was the first game of the season, but you open up the season against a Vanderbilt team that's a bottom feeder in the SEC, and you struggle with them. Now you're going to play LSU, ranked number five in the nation, potential you know looking to win the conference. This isn't. I don't know. I I just don't see this going well for them. I do think that uh, they will probably keep it close early they might be able to get you know find a find a a score here and there getting creative with some play calling and and that's something that obviously other teams do but the miners don't but either way that's neither here nor there but I do think they might get creative early (laughs) find a score (laughs) and just and and keep it interesting early but I think by the second quarter this thing's going to be a 14 21 point game and going in you know end up probably at least I would say at least at least a 21 to 28 point win if not more
1: that's I would just be my know, I, yeah yeah it, it might be close early but yeah you, you, I definitely agree with that that's right on the head number two Marshall Thunder the surging Marshall Thunder herd finally getting I love our voters and not to knock, knock down on them but we getting some respect from our voters six and one three and oh. they got North Texas this week at home uh, going to be an interesting battle their defense is just playing lights out uh, number three Louisiana Tech tough loss on the road to Mississippi State obviously. Um, you know that was that was a tough game, no matter what. But they played and tough with, with with UTSA the week before as well.
0: That was that was a game that was kind of surprising in the way it played out because LaTex jumped out early on Mississippi State. They actually had a seventeen three lead, if I'm not mistaken. And oh they wow! I didn't even 30. follow that game. Yeah, they were up. They were up fourteen points early. At least at least a fourteen three lead, if not seventeen three. But I think it was seventeen three, like going into the second quarter. And then they just got blown out from there. I was actually thinking, that, you know, they're going to win this game, and, and then Mississippi Mississippi State just turned it on. And I mean, they outscored them forty-two to three the rest of the way. So tough loss Dak for Los But What's that?
1: I, I said I think Dak Prescott went off, didn't he?
0: Oh yeah, like always. What's new about that? Uh, number yep. four, Southern Miss comes in. They're, they're still they're still moving up. Last week they were number six. They, they sent a, said a
1: start, statement last finally week. Finally
0: started to gain respect.
1: They they said a big statement with that win against UTS. I watched that game. I mean that game really should have been about fifty to zero. I mean, that was an impressive win to see their defense get after. Their offense, like we mentioned all year's fun, they're gonna that's a team to watch in the West with them and Rice and La Tech. Those games, those matchups, those head to heads are gonna be real interesting.
0: Rice is on a bye this week coming in at number five. Um I'm sorry, they were on a bye last week. They got Army this week. Middle Tennessee comes in at number six at FAU FIU kinda of rounds out the teams. I guess you could still throw old Dominion in that in that bucket, but you know, those are those are pretty much the teams there down going to seven and eight that are still alive for bowl eligibility. U T S A now one and six after the thirty two to ten loss at, at USM and they're they're number nine. FAU one and five at number ten. Our miners come in at number eleven, which if if the two teams below them weren't so bad, we might not even be able to find ourselves there. Charlotte, uh, yep. two and four now at number twelve, lost to, to Old Dominion and North Texas. Another tough loss, zero and six on the season for them. Fifty-five twenty-nine. They got Marshall this week, so things are not getting easier. Um, what what? Any surprises for you, man? Anything anything to, to note there?
1: Um, not really. But I'm really interested in this Middle Tennessee State La Tech game because I think. At this point of the year, when you're talking about bowl eligibility, that's going to be a big game that's going to dictate Middle Tennessee's bowl eligibility and LaTeX uh basically their stranglehold on the Western Division. Because until somebody knocks off LaTeX, I mean, they're pretty much going to run the West. But I think that's the big game that really stands out to me is that Middle Tennessee State at LaTeX. Latex finally getting a home game. I think they're going to come out charged. I don't know what's up with Kenneth Dixon. But that's really an important game on both sides of the East or the West Division.
0: Definitely the biggest game in conference um, And the biggest game out of conference Like we were talking about Kentucky At LSU So uh, a lot of early games this weekend And uh latest games are the minors And that, that LSU game That's going to be on uh, ESPN2 Kentucky. Um, Let's switch it up Let's move on Start talking some UTEP basketball here again Like I was saying just a minute ago the season can't get here soon enough This Saturday got the scrimmage um, And right now we're going to be talking To UTEP men's system basketball coach Ken DeWeese, and hear what he has to say about the miners and what's coming up this week. And coach, you there?
3: Yeah, I'm here, guys. How you doing?
0: All right, good to hear from you.
3: Doing good, It's off always season. great to be on the show.
1: Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. So, about a little bit or close to three weeks of practice, just kind of uh you know touch on how's it going. Uh, you know how has been the first couple of weeks of workout with this essentially new squad.
3: You know, it's been I I, I kind of could say surprisingly good. Uh, you know, with so many new faces. Um, you know, really, as far as as far as scholarship guys go, five, and then you know, obviously all the redshirt guys. The the really five guys that redshirted when you talk about Tevin um, Caldwell and Victor Mbotchu being walk-ons that that redshirted last year. Um, you know, when you put all those guys together, that that aren't they weren't practicing the same way as everybody else was last year. Um, getting game ready. So, um, you know, there's there's really nine of those guys, man, and it's it's especially with guys like, like DA that, you know, didn't play at all last year, and, and Lee Moore, who essentially didn't play at all last year, and, you know, it's there's a lot of rust to work off, but when, when it all comes together, um, you know, and, and you mix in those fre- those true freshmen, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about the progress and where things are going. You know, we still have a ton of work to do, um, getting everybody to kind
0: Coach, you still there? Looks like we've got some uh, technical issues. That we've, we've now lost UTEP coach basketball, uh, UTEP men's assistant coach Ken DeWeese, as well as Alex. Alex is back on the line. Let's see what's what's going on. Alex, you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back. I'm back. I was kind of tripping. Some technical thing. issues. We lost Alex and <laughs> Coach DeWeese. Looks like we got Coach DeWeese back, and we're back and running. Coach, you there? <laughs> I'm here, man. I'm here. All right, we're back on uh culture just talking about, about the players and what's going on with these new faces. Let me let me jump in and switch it up. Um one of the questions that guys were asking or people were asking on, on Minor Rush was who you all kind of expect to come in, especially these new guys, these younger guys, freshmen, even the red shirts, who do we expect to, to kind of make a big impact right away? Who should we look out for Saturday and, and in the early parts of the season?
3: Well, I think for sure you're gonna see Dominic Artis. Um, and for sure Lee Moore because of the guys, those guys' experience. Even though, like I said before, they're a little rusty, but they've played college basketball, you know, and, and obviously D.A. at Oregon and Lee in junior college. They know what to expect. Uh, walking out there with, with, you know, eight or 10,000 people in the stands once we get into the regular season is not going to phase them. Uh, that's that's what they're used to, and, and, and just going and playing the game and game planning and all that kind of stuff. Um, as far as those freshmen, I, I think I, – it's hard to say right now. I think probably Paul Thomas and, and Broderick uh, Jones or Buddha, as we call them, um, are probably a little bit further along than Christian Romine, um, you know, which comes with the level of high school basketball they played and AAU basketball they played and all that stuff. You, you know, Christian being from a little more smaller town and, and things like that. Um, but, but man, I mean, it, it's going to be we we have a lot on the shoulders of Lee Moore and Dominic Artis And, uh, we're expecting a lot from those guys, and they're producing right now in practice. You know, and they got to do it when the fans are in the stands. But right now, we're really excited about those two making a really big impact, along with our returners.
1: So from a coaching standpoint, I mean, you know, these, these scrimmages, exhibition games can kind of sort of be glorified pickup, but I think you're going to be on one end of, of the floor. What are you looking for specifically that you guys have been really just hammering in these practices that you want to see translate on Saturday?
3: Well, I'd say starting on the offensive side of the ball, a lot of movement. Um, we've, we've done a lot of motion stuff. And, you know, we have a really, really talented backcourt and, and wings and, we want to give those guys a chance to play basketball. So if they're moving the ball, if they're moving their bodies, you know, via cuts and, and drives, then then they're doing what we want. So that's that's one thing we really want to see on that side of the floor. Um, we we haven't done as much set plays as we have in the past. Um, you know, we got some horses, and we're trying to let the horses run a little bit. So, you know, I don't know how much they'll transfer, uh, translate into playing fast, per se, but we're trying to let those guys get out and let make basketball plays. Uh, on the other end of the floor, defensively, I would just say rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. And we want to see who's going to compete, who's going to step up, you know, when, it's, uh, when there's referees and there's people in the seats, who's going to go try and get that board and, and try and, you know, get it off the glass to go help us win or help their team win, depending on which side they're on. So those are the two biggest things I think we're looking for on both ends.
0: You know, and rebounding is something that we talked about here as early as as soon as last week, actually. Uh, we were kind of speculating that it may take a lot from the guards uh, coming in and crashing the boards. How do you see that playing out? I mean, do you obviously this isn't the biggest team that we've seen, especially with the injury to Matt. We don't know the extent of that or how much he'll be available. But do you see a big percentage of your rebounds coming from your guards?
3: Uh, you know, I do. Um, and, and not just because. I don't want to say that because, well, we think our front court can't rebound or anything like that, because that's not the case. We're actually very fortunate to have several really good rebounding guards. Um, Lee Moore is an exceptional, exceptional rebounding guard on both ends. And, and, you know, we usually send our guards back for transition defense and have those guys get back so that they don't give up, give up uh, fast break layups. But we're letting Lee go to the glass because he's just an extinct, instinctive, um, you know, high motor rebounder. We we haven't had very many guys like that. Really probably since um probably since Julian Stone at that spot. Of course he was, you know, six, 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 seven. But um so we're excited about that. Defensively, Dominic Artis is a really good rebounder. Urban Morris is a really good rebounder. Um Omega is a good rebounder once we get him back in December. So you know, we feel good about all those guys in the backcourt being able to go back and get a couple off the glass. And it's this is going to be a rebound by committee year. You're not going to have a, a Vince Hunter that goes and gets nine or ten boards a game and, and kind of dominates the glass. You're going to see really an even distribution of rebounds across our stat sheet.
1: Yeah, uh, Co- Coach Floyd talked about that on, on Monday when I had a chance to talk with him about uh, usually since 1961, you know, when he learned under under Coach, uh, you know, to always keep, you know, to send somebody back, but that was, that was a good point that you touched on. Um, you mentioned yeah. in, in an earlier question, uh, you know, about having these horses, having these athletes. For the first part, is this probably the most athletic team you have, that you've had since you've been here at UTEP? Uh, and two, could we see more of a of attacking style, maybe kind of like a lot tech where it's pressure, up-tempo, we're seeing us get up and down? Is, is that something that we could possibly see transition as the season goes along?
3: You know, we could. I, I think up tempo, especially defensively, kinda of goes against uh the thoughts of most coaches in college basketball and right now with the uh with the rules changes and, and the shot clock being shortened. I think what you're gonna see nationally is a ton of one two two, two two one kind of containment, uh three quarter court presses to try and slow people down, guys getting into zones. Um but I do know from what we've talked about as a staff and what we've tried to implement this fall since we started practice offensively is, is to let those guys get out and play. I, I don't know as much of us, you know, getting out full court, trying to create a bunch of turnovers and stuff like that. But um, I don't know if you'll see that as much. I think we're still going to be a hardcore, you know, man to man, just get up in your job kind of team. That's, that's just our MO. That's who coach Floyd is. And, and uh, and it's, and they it can still win uh even with the rule changes we we really believe that but um and and you know, to answer your first question about this this team they are extremely athletic across the board um It's hard for me to say that they're the most athletic i mean we've we've been consistently pretty athletic here uh mm-hmm. going into the sixth year but this this team these guards and and this is not not to take away from you know Randy Culpepper and julian stone and and Christian Polk and those guys but this is an extremely explosive group of guards as far as uh, them being able to play off the bounce and get into the lane and make stuff happen. And they're all above the rim guys. I mean, um, it's 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 they make you look a lot smarter as a basketball coach with, with a lot of their, their talent and abilities they have naturally.
0: Coach, some of the news that hit in the offseason seemed like it hit us back-to-back back was uh, Matt's – I guess continued injury that he's had with his foot, you know, still dealing with that, and obviously the loss of Omega Harris for an extended period of time. Can you comment anything on that as far as when they'll be available, how much they'll be available, and so on?
3: Well, with Matt, it's it's a very much a day-to-day thing. Um, you know, he's he, he's technically he's still injured and he's playing injured, and um, you know, will be all year. He's going to require surgery to to repair his, his foot, but. At this point, um, you know, without getting into too much, he's day-to-day for us. And, I mean, he's out there trying to practice and trying to do stuff, but we're really limiting his reps and what he does. We don't want to overuse him. Um, Only stuff that we feel is absolutely necessary to keep him fresh, and and so he's staying in touch with what we're doing. So most of the time he's on the sideline on the bike, uh, in the exercise bike doing stuff with Tony Cordova, our trainer. Um, You know, we're we're just trying to to monitor him very, very closely, you know, when it gets to the point where uh, he's having complications and it's a problem, then he's probably just going to go ahead and have the surgery or whatever. I mean, it's, we're not, we're not going to jeopardize Matt's future as a as a minor or Matt's future as hopefully a professional basketball player. Um, you know, we're going to use him correctly and make sure we take care of him and we're, we're very gentle with him right now. Uh, as far as Omega, I mean, if, if you know, he's doing well right now, it's about all I can comment on his academic stuff since, you guys know that, but he's doing well. He's on track to get back eligible. Uh, you know, he's been practicing with us every day. He's had a great attitude and, you know, know knows that he, he let his teammates down and, you know, he's not happy about it. But uh, he's he's doing everything he can to get back to the floor. So hopefully he can get back. And that usually, like, if, you, if you're in a, an eligibility situation academically, it's once the final grades are released, which will be, you know, mid-December, and if, if everything's back uh to where it should be, then he'd be good to go once once all his grades come out.
0: Good to hear there. Of course we're talking to Kendall We assistant basketball coach. Coach, what can we expect this Saturday? I know we already kinda of talked about that, but as far as uh the fans, three point contest, dunk contest, stuff like that, anything going on?
3: Yeah, it's gonna be the whole deal, just like we've done before. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll split these teams up um pretty even. Uh, you know, we'll I guess we'll have seven or eight on each side. Mm-hmm. And you know the only the only bad thing about these scrimmages is you know you're playing with we're playing with a little short bench there, so um, you're going to get to see some of these walk-ons and, and and young guys get a little more time than they normally would in a, in a regular game situation that we'll see in a few weeks, um, and and you know they'll also have the. The three-point contest, the dunk contest. There's already a little chatter going around in practice about uh, who's going to do what and who's going to win. And I think everybody on the team thinks they're going to be in the three-point contest right now, and, and and probably the dunk contest. So um, I'll, I'll be really excited to watch that and, and kind of see who comes out on top. I know I know we got some guys. If, if you follow some of our guys on social media, um, that absolutely love to dunk. So I think they spend more time dunking doing anything. You know, um, they get tired at the end of practice, so thinking, all these guys are dead, and then we get done, and they're out there dunking and filming each other on their phones and stuff. So, um, it'll be fun to see them get to do it in a contest situation. I know we got some guys that'll that'll do some really cool stuff.
0: All right, coach. Always good to talk to you. And as I said, it starts this segment. Basketball season can't get here soon enough. We'll see you Saturday one thirty in the Don Haskins Center, Orange and White scrimmage. Thanks a lot, coach.
3: Guys, looking forward hey, to it. Hope a lot of people come out. We'll see you soon. And there you have it, sir, you yes, sir,
0: assistant basketball coach Ken Deweese giving us some insight on the minors. um well, I'll tell you, let me let me start here. The one thing that was kind of disappointing to hear was when he kind of frayed away from from uh you know, comparing, I guess, the team to La Tech and getting up in pressure and trying to force turnovers and all that. Not, not so much because I think it's a bad thing, but because I think that would have been really exciting. You know, I like the style of play that yeah. LaTeX Tech has and, and it, would have been, it would have been nice to see that type of play. No, now, we but have the athletes league, to do that. But, you know, that was just one thing that was a little disappointing to hear. Yeah,
3: it,
1: but, you know, it was a, it was a, a... Great point, what he said though about the rule changes, and I've heard, I've I've not heard, but I've read a couple of, of other SB Nation bloggers and basketball bloggers that have talked about that exactly. We talk about the pressure game, the the one two two, the two two ones that we're going to see, and it's going to be interesting to see how we go about it because, just like you said, that's the type of team UTEP's always been under Floyd. They're going to get in your shorts. They're going to man man you. But there's going to be, I think, for some stretches where we're going to see that LaTex style. Maybe he's holding his cards in a little bit there on that yeah, one. I, could I be. figured he would because it's a little early. Because these guys are athletic enough to do that. And you got a guy like Dominic Artis who's quick hands. I talked to, to Urban Morris uh, earlier in the week talking about that, um, you know, about possibly that new style. And his eyes kind of lit up because I think that's what they've been working on. I think that's what we'll see as the season goes on as – they're adjusting to this new – I mean, it's really not a big adjustment, but it's more of an adjustment where you kind of want to cut off the floor and make a team set up with either 24 seconds or less on the shot clock, which is definitely what most teams aren't used to. But I think we're going to see a lot of different styles because there is a bunch of guards that can pressure, that can get out there and be active. So I think that's maybe something as the season goes on and we're seeing maybe certain teams with better guards able to – penetrate a little bit more or to get more offense going just off of their dribble drive, I think maybe we'll see that pressuring style. But, I mean, he's right, though. I mean, some of these guys out there, I got to watch just a couple of minutes of practice. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speed. There's a lot of athleticism out there. And it's going to be interesting to see how they put this around, more on a defensive angle. Offensive angle, I think he hit it on the head. Um, I was watching uh, C.J. Cooper's uh, mi- uh, mixtape from the pro game. And, you know, the, the big knock on Floyd's offense is that they've been boring. You know, there's, it's pass, pass, pass. These guards are, like you said, they're going to make them look genius because there's so many times where I'm watching uh, the Arizona game, the Southern Miss game, a bunch of games, all these clips where there's nothing happening, there's no penetration, there's no guys getting in the lane making it happen. There's three or four guys now that are going to have that. So this pass, pass, hesitant stuff, I don't think we're going to see that. We're going to see aggressive. We're going to see guys getting to the line. We're going to see guys – We're going to see bigs roll back door off of a guard cutting or slashing. So I think that's really going to be a big improvement on the offensive side. Like I said, just based watching off C.J. Cooper, and that's no knock on C.J. or or last year's team. But last year's team, we didn't have those one-on-one defenders or those one-on-one slashers that could just take you to the rack and get what they want or take you to the rack and dish out to a shooter or, or a cutting big. So I think that's going to be a big dimension that this team is going to have at their disposal this year.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you what I'm really looking for. Well, first of all, I want to say something about Matt Wilms. I think uh, I think this is a situation that's not going to play out as favorably as we would hope. Um, I mean, obviously, you'd hope the guy recovers quickly and is able to play 30 minutes a game, but I just – it's hard to see that happening. You know, it, 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 this is an injury that, that is hard to come back from. It's even harder to come back from, from, from big, for big men. And I just see it lingering, and I think it's going to be very, very hard to keep him in, in a good physical condition. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it through the year or not. That's going to be kind of our X factor this year is do we have our seven-footer? Because I think from a game-to-game basis, it's kinda of be like if you're looking at football, it's almost like he's always questionable. You know what I mean? He's always doubtful. Mm. Like you're don't, you don't, you're not going to know are you going to have him or not. And so that's going to be a real X factor for us is how much he's able to play. But I just don't see him being able to get a lot of quality minutes, you know, throughout the season with this injury, obviously still bothering him the way it is because the way coach made it sound, you know, he's out there on the bike, so he's not participating that much in practice. And, and obviously if he's not in practice that much, then how much can he possibly play, be playing in the game? So that's one thing. But the other thing is, um, you know, I, I, I don't think the, the loss of Omega is is going to hurt us as much as we had initially thought it was.
1: Obviously, I agree.
0: it's it's still something that, like he talked about, you know, he, Omega knows that he let his teammates down, and he he's trying to work his way back from that. But talking about getting him back for mid-December, um, if I'm not mistaken, great uh, the, the 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 game, the classes end first week or so of December, maybe around the tenth, final, and so on. So he could possibly be back as early as what, December 13th, which is uh, the game at Washington State. I mean, that's kind of, you know, obviously you got the the Corpus Christi thing going on, so there could be one or two games mixed in there. Um, you got NMSU once. But, you know, you don't lose a lot with him being gone. There's not a whole lot of tough games, you know, that that you're going to be playing without him. So that's definitely a good thing there. I mean, that would be interesting to see if he is able to make it back for that Washington State game.
1: Yeah, that'll be huge to get that to get him back, and you know it's it's just like you said it's it's you know he's he's learning from it you know he's having a positive attitude. We all we all were there at that age. It's hard to it's hard to knock the kid you know being a college athlete, but that's that'll be almost a blessing in disguise to get him back for a must win. To me, that Washington State is a must win game, even though RPA may not mean a damn thing this year. But either way, you want to have that win in case you do go in you know, with this schedule of this team is hot and we're able to get on that role, you know, you see you that.
0: Know, but... I think, you know, just to, just to touch on that real quick, I, I actually do think that RPI is going to mean a lot this year. Um, of course, you always want to win the, the conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament, but this is a year that even though the schedule is not as tough, it, it because it's not as tough, it also means that you're not going to have any at-large possibility without winning the games that you should win. So those New Mexico State games, that Southern Illinois game, if we play them, the Colorado State game, if we play them, and so on, those are all must-win games in this type of schedule. Because other than that, you mm-hmm. are relying solely on on the conference tournament. And that's not what we want to do. So, I w- I, you know, those games are going to be big, big games to get our RPI. You know, you cannot – afford to have bad losses and you cannot afford to give away your opportunities because there's only so many this year so those those types of games are going to be very good that are very big to, to to get our rpi up into a, a range of of potential at large bids. you know you've obviously got to get into the 50s maybe 40s uh at at worst but um yeah i mean i think those games are are big games and that washington state game on the road could be like you said a must-win game for us no
1: doubt about it. And from the comment thread here, we got uh, picked up uh, with with our perfect sentiment, three words, big, bring on basketball. And he asked a recruiting question. Uh, do we have any new recruiting news besides the two current commits? And nothing uh, crazy as you know, nothing uh, fluid or anything as far as anybody commit. But looking ahead to 2017, it looks like uh, some of the big targets are going to be kids out of the San Antonio area. Uh, Greg Bowie's a guard that that I've seen a lot talk about UTEP showing a lot of interest in UTEP. Uh, I believe he has an offer as well. That's going to be a guy that they're really really going to want to go after. And the guy that just got offered recently. Um, Mark or Mark J. Anthony from San Antonio Homes, I think that's his name. Let me double check on that. But two San Antonio kids that they're really after for 2017 guard seems to be um, guard seems to be where it's at. Um, and you know, you, you, everybody's gonna ask about big men, but you forget that Kelvin uh, Kelvin Jones is gonna be a junior or is gonna barely be a freshman. So I, w- I would expect maybe another big for the class of 2017, 2016. Not very many uh, seniors, obviously, on this year's team. So pretty much is done. They may oversign. But just wanted to hit on on the recruiting note on that part. But um, just one more thing before we end out, kind of wanted to touch back what you said of of, as far as Omega Harris, um, you know, us not – maybe not even missing him like we had originally thought. I've heard from a lot of people that Lee Moore is one of the better players, could be one of the better players on this team. What does – before even Omega Harris comes, you know, comes back – how special is that Dominic Artist, Urban Morris, and Lee Moore combination from all the things that we've heard and we've seen from both of the newcomers mixing with Urban Morris? Do you think that could be kind of a, what am I, a, an identity, a staple of identity, where you have those three big-time scorers, defenders, and hopefully rebounders?
0: Yeah, and, and you know, I think. The person that could kind of lose out in all of this, because again, we're talking about the team as a whole. Not, maybe not necessarily missing Omega as much as we had originally thought. Maybe they will. We don't know yet. But and that was another thing that popped into my mind cause, because Lee Moore was one of the first guys that DeWeese even mentioned. And so yeah, so real quick. you know if he is if he is as good as as we're hearing. You know, Omega Harris could be the guy that loses out in all of this, even more than just missing out on the first, you know, month of the season. You know, he coming back was almost guaranteed that spot. But if Lee Moore comes out and is as good as people are saying and plays extremely well in that first month without Omega, well, I I, you know, I don't see Omega coming back and overtaking him. Um, But that is still, you know, yet to be seen. I mean, that could be the identity for this team in that three-guard offense. But I I want to see Lee Moore – do it, it, it outside of practice before I kind of, you know, start leaning that way, because I know we've heard some good things about him, but, but we haven't seen him on the court. So I just, you know, I I would rather hold on that for now, but either way, obviously the guards are going to be a strength of this team. And, and we haven't even begun to talk about the other guys that we mentioned last week, some of the freshmen and flaggard and, and uh, you know, uh touchette and those guys. So, a lot, a lot to be seen, and, and, I, and I'm kind of excited for Saturday to be able to see what what these guys have to offer. And again, man, we're only what three weeks away from the, from the season tipping off or less. Well, ne- ne-
1: next Saturday is the first exhibition game, and to me, I mean, even though it doesn't count that you know, it counts in a way. So I mean we're <laughs> it we're counts right in our here. Heart, and I mean, you, you, you yeah, and you can even say it's our because 'cause I've ever since Lloyd's been here, for me that's the start of the season, even before I did minor rush. That was something me and my grandpa would always get excited about it's cool. I like it. It's an idea because Exactly what Floyd talked about on Monday, everybody follows UTEP basketball recruiting. So all the names that we have wrote about or anybody's wrote about or you've heard about or video, film, you finally get to watch them in, in your first type of almost Christmas Day environment. So it, it really is exciting. Like you said, this is almost – it's like a new era of UTEP basketball here. I mean, we've been, you know, we've been so – blessed i guess you could say to have the loyal warriors like cooper you know washburn lang and those guys will never forget forget forgotten we'll probably bring them up every other podcast they'll get brought up but this is a brand new era uh, you know and it is something to get excited about it's going to be something to see you know uh, it's i mean like i said to me i think the season starts saturday because this is these these guys first you know big time show under the utep lights and hell they give us something really good to talk about on the next podcast man
0: (laughs) no doubt about it no doubt about it well man, uh I think we did I think we did a good one today. What do you think?
1: Yeah, not bad for being remote. I I mean I, I kinda miss you, man.
0: No, 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 no homo, I
2: miss you, man. <laughs> no, it, it's a little
1: tough though, you know, because
0: we're here together. It's, it's a little better flow, you know, we we kinda have an idea for how we each talk and so on. So uh it, it's a little harder because we gotta wait for the for the you know, for the pauses in the voice. But no, it was I think it was a good show, man. Of course, it's always a or, or, our text, soft. our text during your uh, text during yeah, the you you <laughs> interview. go. trying to trying to set things up, trying to keep things up through text. All right, man. Well, right, well there you, you have it. The rush. You all know how to check get a hold out the of us. MinorRush dot com, at gmail dot com, Facebook dot com slash MinorRush, uh is our Twitter handle. Yeah, I think so. And I won't even get into to all of Alex's handles today, but you all know how to get a hold of us. Let us know what we can do better, as always. Been good and we out.
1: Talk down next week.